Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, how are you? And welcome to the Yarn Thing Podcast with Marley Bird. I'm your host, Marley Bird. You can catch the Yarn Thing Podcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock Mountain Time. That's 12 o'clock on the East Coast, 9 o'clock on the West Coast, and 11 o'clock in the Midwest. If you're joining us at any other time, please Google what time 10 o'clock Mountain Time is for you. I do live in Denver, Colorado. And you can come and join the fun, along with the live broadcast that we do over on blogtalkradio.com. I also do a live behind-the-scenes scenes, excuse me, Facebook Live over on the Marley Bird Facebook page. So if you want to um, be a part of that, be a part of the conversation that happens over there, it's a lot of fun. Um, come on over. It's just the you know Facebook.com forward slash Marley Bird. You can check it all out. It's a it's a good place. A lot of really, really, really wonderful people over there hang out and come say hello, like Evelyn, like Chris, like Lori, like Arletta, um, and there's another Brittany, like there's a whole bunch of people. And so it's just it's a lot of fun to have you guys here. We are blessed on the Yarn Thing Podcast to have some really wonderful sponsors, and I want to say thank you to them right here at the start. Thank you to Buffalo Wool Company, who just got home from a really long trip of vendor um, events, and so welcome home, Ron and Teresa. Thank you to Creative Bug, where I will be on next Tuesday um, on their Facebook Live, so you want to make sure you tune in to Creative Bug's Facebook page, you guys. Erin Lane Bags, Crafty.com, who we are talk about a little bit today, Stitches.Events, and just so you know, I know that one of the early bird signups ends today for one of the Stitches events, so if you want to check those out and come and take one of my classes or one of the classes from some of my fantastic colleagues, uh, check out Stitches.Events. And last but certainly not least, Red Heart Yarns, where I'm the proud national spokesperson, and I am also the... Um, Gosh, I don't know what the, the curator, maybe? I don't know, of Chic Sheep Yarn by Marley Bird. Uh, you can check that out. So I'll put the link in the video description box uh, in Facebook Live, and I'll also put it in the show notes and all that stuff out. So those are the sponsors. Say thank you to them, please, and uh, say thanks for supporting one of your favorite podcasts. Okay, everybody. So welcome, welcome. As I mentioned, I have the lovely Brittany from Be Hooked Crochet uh, here today, and I'm so excited to talk to her because uh, I was on her show a little while ago, and I had such a great time, and she was interviewing me, and now I get a chance to interview her and kind of poke and prod and find out a little bit more about her and her career, and I'm, I'm thrilled to introduce her to you. If you don't know who she is, um, I'm sure you're going to be a big fan as I am. So without further ado, let's welcome Brittany to the podcast. Hey, Brittany. Hi, Marley. <laughs> How are you doing over there today? I'm doing wonderful. I am so excited to be here, and I just want to thank you right here at the start for bringing me on the show, letting me blab a little bit about my story. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've been talking about having you on the show for a while, so I'm thrilled we were able finally to put it all together and get you here to chat. It's really, it's a really a big treat. It's really great. So how's the weather where you are? Like it's cold and dreary here on this Halloween morning. It is. It's cold here too. We had very spring-like weather for the past, well, through the beginning of, and then all of a sudden it became fall. So we're hovering in like the 30s or so. So I'm like scrambling to pull out all the things that I've made throughout the year. So all the hats and the scarves and finding the jackets and all that stuff again, because 
It is cold, but I heard that next week it's going to be in the 60s again. So I don't know what to expect here. (laughs) I know, right? It's crazy. That's what it sounds like here in Colorado. So I pulled out my sweater. It's like, I got to put on something. It's a little chilly down here. But later on today, I'm sure it'll probably warm up. Who knows? Anyways, but so Miss Brittany, uh, you... You are a knitter and a crocheter, so you are bi-crafty, uh, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love when I get bi-crafty people on the podcast. But uh, let's just dive in here at the start. And, you know, how did you get involved with knitting and crochet? How did it become something that you did? Well, it's a funny story, actually. And I, well, we'll start from the very, very beginning. I am a, a biology by a biologist or a biology person by trade. That's what I studied in school. And I did that for years and years. That's sort of what I did before getting into this crazy phantom career that, that a lot of people seem to want. I've been very fortunate to move in this direction, but I spent a lot of time throughout my college years with my nose buried in my books and learning different biological pathways, figuring out, chemistry equations and organic chemistry. And I was basically on the track to become a health professional. I really wanted to go to medical school. I wasn't sure if that was quite in the cards, but I knew I wanted to take that path in some way, shape or form. And when I graduated, now mind you, it took me about five years to get through that entire program, which is a little longer than most people. But at the end of that, I was Honestly, I was a little bit disappointed because the career path that I had chosen, which was to go into the PA profession or physician's assisting, there was a really small program at the college that I went to, and they only accepted, I think, about 40 new students every year, and they had hundreds of applications. So as you can imagine, the odds were not in my favor, so I was not chosen, and I was sort of forced into the healthcare profession just because that's what I had studied, but I didn't really have any experience or knowledge. I just had to do what I could do. And as you can imagine, that that sort of led to a lot of disappointment, maybe even a little bit of resentment. And I had all this spare time on my hands. I had previously spent all of my evenings, all of my weekends studying. And when I wasn't in school anymore, I didn't have anything to do. So my husband and I had just moved to a new city and we had no friends, we had no family and I would come home from, from work and I would typically work shorter hours than he did. And I was just bored to tears. I didn't know what to do with my hands, with my time. And I've always sort of been a little bit crafty. My mom is definitely very crafty and she makes things. And so I dabbled with several different types of crafty things like sewing and um, scrapbooking. I did that for a while. I made dollhouses for a little while, which was totally crazy, but kind of fun. And I just wasn't happy with any of those things. So my husband comes home from work one day and I'm like, I'm bored to tears. I need to find something to do. I have to occupy my hands. I have to fill this creative void, this hole that's in my heart right now. And I told him, I said, I'm going to go to the store and I am going to leave there with a hobby. And it was like my determination to find something right there in that store. And I spent a couple of hours going up and down the aisles and trying to figure out what would work best for me. I knew I wanted something some, somewhat portable so that I could work on things while still spending time with him. Or if we would go to visit our family members, I would still be able to take that with me in the car ride. 
And that really led me to the yarn aisle. I had had previous conversations with my mom about how she had crocheted and my grandma had crocheted, but unfortunately, I never learned from either one of them. My grandma had already passed by this time, and my mom stopped crocheting when my oldest sister was very young. She, she just got kind of consumed with childcare and, and just stopped doing it. Hasn't, well, she did it a couple of years back. I, I sort of retaught her how to crochet. And that was a starting point. My, my sister was pregnant at the time with her first child, and I'm walking up and down the yarn aisle. I'm, like, super inspired by all the colors and the textures. And I remember thinking to myself, this could be it. This, this could be what I really love doing. I, I can be creative. I can play with different types of yarns. And I don't feel like I'll ever get bored because there's, like, an endless possibility. There were, like, four aisles just of different types of yarns. And so, ironically enough, I wanted to try knitting first, because in my novice mind, having two instruments or two tools in my hand at once seemed a lot easier to me. So I thought from the get-go that knitting would be a lot easier. What I didn't realize is that, well, one, there weren't a lot of resources online at the time for how to knit, but it's it's not as easy to see your stitches. And if anybody is learning how to knit for the first time, you can totally relate to these troubles. But pretty much everything that could go wrong with knitting for me did. And I um, obviously didn't know it at the time. I picked one ball of yarn because I thought that I could make an entire blanket for my nephew-to-be with one ball of yarn, which is hysterically funny. The blanket I still have today is in multiple different shades because they were different dye lots, which is something I didn't know at the time. But I got my one ball of yarn. I grabbed my pair of knitting needles, went through the checkout, and got home, sat on YouTube on my laptop, and found just how to knit, just various different videos. And I remember thinking that, this is cool. This is really neat, but man, I'm really bad at this. This is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. So I'm working through, I knew none of the basics. I had, I think about a 12 inch needle and I thought that I could fit the entire blanket on this 12 inch needle. I mean, I literally knew nothing. I started from complete scratch and that's really what sort of led me into crochet. I, failed over and over and over with these knitting videos and I'm a little bit of it a perfectionist and I say that jokingly because it's a quality that I'm trying to correct but at the time I I just was knitting in garter stitch so I would knit several rows not have any mistakes and be really pumped and excited about it but then I would come to a stitch and realize that something went wrong, whether I twisted it or it fell off the needle, dropped it, tried to fix it. And I would go a little bit further. I would always see that flaw Mm -hmm. and I had no clue how to fix it. And I really struggled trying to find resources to teach me how to fix it. So whenever I would come up with a problem, I would frog the entire thing and start over. And I did this about eight times before I was like, okay, knitting is just not for me. There's not enough resources. I can't figure it out from, from what I see here online. So I'm going to put it down, but I'm not going to give up. I knew I really liked fiber arts at that point, and I had actually purchased a crochet hook 
because I had read somewhere that that's how you're supposed to fix knitting mistakes. And so I had this hook and it's sitting next to me and I'm like, you know what? My mom crocheted. She told me I should try that first. So maybe I'll just listen to my mom now. I'll watch a couple of crochet videos and see where it takes me. And I went back to YouTube. I found all of the videos that I could find. I probably sat there for hours upon hours just watching over and over. And I made my first couple of swatches. And I remember looking at those swatches and thinking, man, I'm, I'm kind of okay at this. <laughs> this is much better than knitting for me. So at that point, I knew that I wanted to try knitting again later on once I had some more experience, but I was so consumed and amazed with these little swatches that I made and how almost perfect they looked. And that was really pleasing to me. And that kind of started the whole charade. Oh, my gosh. So how long ago was that? You know, that was only six or seven years ago. So okay. I'm still very new to the community. And I'm, I'm actually finding that, that too, talking with other people who are in the in and around this space. There's a lot of people who've obviously been here for a very long time. But there's a lot of newcomers. And that was kind of surprising for me. I was always somewhat nervous to share that with people initially because I thought that, oh, well, if they found out that I just started this, then who's going to listen to me? Nobody's going to want to watch my videos. So I was very hesitant to, to share that initially, but I'm, I'm happy to say that, yeah, it's been about six or seven years um, yeah. when I first walked out of that store. Right. So I've only been knitting for 13 years, you know, and so like I'll teach classes yeah. and there'll be people that are like, oh, I've been knitting 50 years. And I'm like, 13, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I'm so, I'm so yeah. with you on that. But I think you're doing great. So what I want to know now is, when did you decide that you were going to do your own YouTube channel? Because, I mean, that's that's a big step. So like you just said, you're hesitant to tell people how long you've been knitting or crocheting because you did go back to knitting. And um, But you, you do such a good job with your tutorials and such. So I want to hear, when did it become – okay, no, you know what? Pause, pause, pause. So here you are. You mm -hmm. like crocheting. And do you start following patterns or do you start making your own? Like, I think I want to go that route first and then gear that towards mm -hmm. you doing YouTube. Yeah, I love this question. And I think it's perfect that you, that you transition here because I did not follow patterns for a very, very long time. I want to say a couple of years. I, and I don't even, I can't even put my finger on why. It's not because I felt like I couldn't. I just... I knew what I wanted to create in my mind and I had these tools now at my fingertips and I just, I knew what I wanted to make and I just made it happen. And that was really how I learned how to crochet. I mean, obviously I learned the basics from YouTube, but you don't really learn something or master something until you've made a lot of mistakes, right? Oh yeah. Until you figured out why something in your mind isn't working in your yarn. So I, I didn't, I, I did not follow patterns. I just made things up as I went. And that was really, I don't, I trying to find the right word. It was, it was more relaxing for me. I didn't okay. feel like there was a way for me to make a mistake. I just felt like I could do my own thing and it would, be a really relaxing experience no matter what. And I didn't have to worry about whether I was doing it right or doing it wrong. I was just doing what made me happy. 
I think that's, I think that's really good. So like for me, I tried to follow patterns and then I didn't understand how they were written. Like, I was like, what is this lady doing? Like it didn't occur to me that I could put my hook in different places. You know, I was taught originally you put it in the back loop. So I did it on the back loop on everything. And then one day I accidentally went through two loops and I was like, Oh, well this looks really cool. So, I mean, like I went through that process cause I learned before YouTube was around, you know? So it was, it was fascinating to me um, trying to read these patterns and then my work would come out completely different from what the pattern looked like in the, the finished you know, uh-huh. picture. Um, but I was really just creating my own stitches and doing my own thing. And just like you, it was more relaxing just to do my own than to try and follow what somebody else was telling me to do. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that that is, I think that's a great way to begin. So how did you learn to write patterns then? Honestly, trial by fire. I started out and honestly, I have tried to go through and update my older patterns that are on the website. But in the very early days, when I was, even before I was publishing them, I was always writing them down in a notebook or something like that so that I could duplicate them if I wanted to, if like a family member wanted something that I was making. And I, I knew nothing about abbreviations at that point. I just, I wrote down what I did in long form, paragraph form, and that worked for a while. Now, I did sort of realize that that's not the industry standard and that there are certain things that you should do and that you could do that sort of make everybody's lives a little bit easier. But honestly, I didn't discover those for a while. So you'll find that my earliest patterns are written so basic, so easy to follow. And I really think that that's why so many beginners sort of latched on to my tutorials and my patterns in the early days, because I was speaking to them because I was pretty much in their shoes. I, I was not that much further along than they were at that point. That makes sense. That makes sense. So when you realize, I mean, how did you learn that there were different abbreviations and kind of, I, I'm always curious about that. Like for me, it was books. I picked up a lot of different books and I learned through that way. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm definitely in the social media generation where I um At the time, Pinterest was really just becoming popular, and my sister convinced me to get on there. I thought, oh, it's another social network platform. I don't have time for this. I don't want to do this. But she was like, no, you really need to try this out. And there were so many good resources on Pinterest. And from all the people who were sharing different charts and things online, that's where I learned that, oh, there are real abbreviations for these things that I'm creating and I, I found out about the, the Craft Yarn Council through Pinterest, I think, through a chart that somebody had saved. And it, like, opened up a whole new world for me. I was like, wow, there are standards for everything. This is going to make my life so much easier and the lives of my, my readers so much easier because now there's going to be consistency in what I'm publishing. And they can follow along and not have to ask all of these questions because I've just sort of made things up as I went along. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. So lead me to YouTube. So you learned a lot from YouTube. Um, you probably have a couple people that you followed for a while and learned a lot from. And when did you say, you know what, I think I could do this? Yeah, it's that's a cool story, too. When I was teaching myself through YouTube, I was really taking note of the things that 
the questions that I had when I was going through these, I, I found myself asking why a lot. And I think that just comes from my background of studying biology. I, I don't want to know so much how to do something, but I want to know why I'm doing it so that I can understand it and be able to do it again and again. I'm the same way. I'm the exact same way, which some people will tell me I'm too, like I talk too much in some of my videos, but I want people to understand the, the why they're doing what they're doing rather than the just do this. You know, it's not, that's not my style. Right. It's a teaching platform, right? And we teach by vocalizing. Yes, definitely. So I found that I was asking myself why so many times. And I thought, man, there's a real trend here. There is not a lot of people who's teaching in the style that I like to learn in. So when you take that little tidbit and you pair that with some of my other passions in life, which are basically all things design and tech. And ironically enough, everything that I do in my job now is something that's a passion of mine. I love videography. I love editing. I love graphic design. I love all of these things and I get to incorporate them, but I was especially interested in YouTube and and the videos and the creators on YouTube. I actually followed Mikey from the Crochet Crowd quite a bit in those early days. And through watching him and his videos, I got to realize that I think this man does this full time. I think this is his job. And it was at that point that I realized and researched that, huh, people actually do this for a living. If he can do it, and if all these other people can do it, why can't I? I feel like I have a voice. I have a a unique teaching style. Maybe if I put a couple things out there, it's going to resonate with a couple of people. And if it doesn't, I've had fun and I've learned something from it. And so that's kind of the approach I took. I had a very very horrible camera at the time, but it did capture video. I had no tripod or anything, anything to set this up, but I, I made this flower and I, I I had just sort of made it up and it was really complicated for me to try to put it into words in written form on the website. So I thought, well, this would be a great opportunity for me to be able to show people how to crochet this. And then maybe I won't have to try to explain it because there's, it's sort of a 3D flower that you have to flip your, your petals and put your hooks in strange places. And that was the first video. And it was in like 720p, like very low resolution, poor lighting. I was nervous and like sweating on the other end of the camera. I said, um, a lot. And, but you know what? It is so imperfect, but that video made me realize that one, you don't have to put something perfect out there to help people. A lot of people are going to look past the imperfections if they get something valuable out of what you've added, but it also gave me the confidence and a lot of know-how to be able to continue producing them. And most importantly, it let me know that this is my jam. I love this. I had so much fun and I need to do it again. Yeah. That's so cool. I love it. I love it. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and so how long ago was that? And when was it as you're putting these out there that you started to get more traction? So like I me mean, you and I talked about this when I first started, it was 
I was like, all right, I'm just going to throw this out there and let's see how it works and kind of hope that people find me and, and like what I do. I mean, when was it that you were like, you know what? I'm doing pretty good. People are liking this. Or did you have one video that went crazy viral and you're just like, whoa, what just happened? Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I could put my finger on the exact formula that worked for me. I thought about it a lot because obviously I want to duplicate some of those things that I did to help me continue to grow. But I, I don't have an exact answer for you. I, I know the first couple of videos went up in about the spring and summer of 2013. So I think I was still early enough to the game. There were a lot fewer people who were teaching on YouTube at the time. Still a few designers and blogs out there. So I think that helped a little bit. But it wasn't until about, I want to say 2014, And I think in January, when I really felt good about those stats, I was always looking at them. And if if anybody has a YouTube channel or a blog, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You go into Google Analytics or you go into YouTube Analytics every day and you're like, wow, 15 people watched my video today. That's the coolest thing. And it's so cool to like watch that continue to grow. Well, I was also paying a lot of attention to the comments that were coming through And so many people were saying that I had a great teaching style or the way I explained it really resonated with them or it was a standout from all the other YouTube videos that they were trying to follow. And that really fueled my motivation to keep going. But at that time, I really was just doing it as a hobby. My my husband likes to, he's sort of a gearhead and he loves cars and racing and we lived about two and a half hours or so away from a racetrack. Well, we also have two fur babies who don't travel well. So my husband would spend the weekend at the racetrack and then I would stay home with the, with the dogs and just basically have like a super girly crochet weekend. And that was great. It worked out really well for both of us. That was, that was my motivation, really. It just gave me something to do. And I continued all through 2013 and 2014 with this mentality that this is fun. I'm helping people. And I, I had no idea that it was going to be a business at that point. That's, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. I think it's funny because, um, like, I followed you. And I was looking through some of your videos and I came across one of the images. I was like, oh my gosh, I have seen that all over Pinterest. She's the one that did it. <laughs> and it's the hairpin lace video. And so yes. kind of talk to me a little bit about that, because I think for me, that was one of the ones where it was just like, holy moly, she's the girl that did that. Um, you know, it's, it's like that whole <laughs> idea of you put together, oh, there's somebody out there really doing this stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. That was a fun pattern. So there's actually two patterns that are very near and dear to my heart. That is one of them. And the other one is my broomstick lace infinity scarf. And they're very similar. So the one that you're talking about, the hairpin lace scarf, was the result of me going to Joanne's on one of those super crafty girly weekends and falling in love with Red Heart Treasure. I was like, this is amazing. It feels great. It has some wool in it, so it's super warm. And the colors are just beautiful. So I bought a couple of those. And I think I think I only bought two. So I was limited. But I didn't know what I was going to create at that point. And I had been 
pretty much involved and consumed with Pinterest ever since I sort of discovered it. Uh And I learned about this thing called hairpin lace. And I was like, that is so cool. I need to do something like that. But again, it was one of the situations where there wasn't a lot of resources available on it. So I only knew the very basics. And I went and I found a hairpin lace loom. And I just started with that basic stitch. And I really didn't know what it was going to be until probably much later on in the design. But I had also sort of gotten into Instagram at that point, too, a little bit. And I was sharing some pictures and some progress photos on there. And people were just, like, really, really curious about this technique. And I thought, well, I have only two of these skeins of yarn, so I can't make anything too big. Well, how about I just make a cowl? And that's something that is very practical and very useful. And it's also a small enough project that people can get that instant gratification that they need. So that's sort of how that, that pattern and that video evolved. It kind of just started with the yarn really inspiring me and then seeing this technique on Pinterest and wanting to try it for myself. And because it was so basic, it, it was like the perfect entry project for a lot of people who were curious about hairpin lace and it was at that moment I think and it was on Instagram I believe somebody I had followed at the time she had seen a picture of me posting that scarf and she was like oh my gosh you're the person who made this this thing has gone viral and I was like what I had no idea that something I made went viral and I had never even expected that I was just really excited about the pattern and the way it turned out and I just I had no idea it was going to be like one of those viral projects but still to this day it is one of the the top performers we'll say or one of the pages that gets the highest views and that's been several years ago when that came out wow that's so awesome I think that's so great so here you are doing crochet um tell us that you went back to knitting so obviously you picked up the crochet hook Mm -hmm. you loved it and you went back when did you go back to knitting yeah so one of the things you have to understand about me before you think I'm I'm a little bit crazy and in this this story is that I'm a learner by nature I read a book called strengths finder and it was Mm -hmm. kind of at a desperate point when I, I sort of turned to this book because I, I didn't know what was wrong. I thought something was wrong with me because I would try one thing and I would get bored with it and I would want to do something else. And then I would get bored with that and then want to do something else. And I was just bouncing back and forth from thing to thing. And it was always with crochet, which was cool that crochet has so many different types and styles and that sort of thing. So it did keep me involved. But once I got to the point where I felt like I knew everything there was to know, which is a foolish frame of mind to have. But I, I wanted to dive back into something else. And so I thought, well, I really understand how things come together now. I understand how to look at stitches and count stitches. So maybe it's not so crazy to think that knitting is going to be easier for me. So I did the same thing that I did before. I went to YouTube, and fortunately, I found a lot more resources available on YouTube ever, after waiting for a couple of years and I I started teaching myself 
knitting sort of like in my spare time. It was kind of my, my second hobby, if you will. And I found one person in particular on YouTube that I just really enjoy watching her videos. They're put together really well. She has some nice projects and just a lot of videos. I think she's got, several, well, a couple hundred at least. And that's Stacy from Very Pink Knit. So I, I really did learn very much of what I know about knitting directly from her. And I wasn't really fortunate enough to know somebody in person that could teach me. So that was kind of like my, not really a last resort, but that's, that's all I could do to, to learn this. I knew I couldn't learn from books because I had already tried that before. And it, it, it worked out so much better. I picked it up pretty much right away. And I just, I haven't looked back since. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. That's so cool. I love that you, you really, you <laughs> learn it was like, all right, I can do this. Um, sometimes it just takes a little bit of, I want to say maybe it takes a little bit of knowledge from the crochet stuff to kind of just all of a sudden your hands aren't so unfamiliar with the process. Um, and it tends to, to help things out. Um, mm-hmm. Here you go. You're you're a successful knitter and crocheter, a successful YouTuber, and Craftsy comes the call in. So tell me about Craftsy. <laughs> Are you tired of talking yes. about yourself yet? Isn't it fun? <laughs> I, it, no, you know, no. it's it's a lot easier than putting on your own show. When somebody just asks questions, it's it flows so much easier from my mouth. So I'm having fun. Oh, <laughs> I so understand. I'm loving this. Like I love hearing your story. I think it's great. So Craftsy, I love Craftsy. They're fantastic mm-hmm. and um. So I'm excited to hear about your relationship with them. Yeah, I I have always loved Craftsy. I was a customer for a long time before I became an instructor with Craftsy. And it's honestly, it was a little bit fortuitous how everything unfolded. My sister, who was in graphic design, she worked with somebody who was now an employee with Craftsy. And so I feel like I cheated a little bit because I, I just knew the right person. Now I didn't go pursuing her. Fortunately, I, one day I opened my inbox and lo and behold, I have an an email from this girl who says that she knows my sister. And she's like, I love your stuff. I love the way you teach. I want to do a class with you. Here are my ideas. Do any of these speak to you? And that's sort of the non-traditional way of going about getting a crafty class together from what I understand there's normally a pitch process so if you want to pitch a class to Craftsy you can actually just go onto their website and you fill out a proposal and you have Mm -hmm. to do a lot of research it's not just like hey I think that I crochet scarves really well I want to go on Craftsy and teach people how to crochet this scarf right it's not that it is so involved you have to say okay this is what I have to bring to the table I have this many people following me. I have this many people on my email list that have a little bit of influence. And from a business standpoint, I completely get that. They want somebody who's reputable and somebody who's going to be able to help to sell that class. Right. So fortunately, at that point, after spending several years building my brand, I had all of those things. So I was able to check all of those boxes. And that's, yet, that's how it started, really, was just that one email from her. That's so great. So tell me about your class. So my class, we decided on, and there's several different topics that we were really excited about, but we settled in 
on Tunisian crochet. And I don't, I don't want to say settle in a bad way because we were, were both really excited about this class. But it was one topic that was kind of, it wasn't in that initial email. It was mm-hmm. just, she wrote a follow-up and said, hey, actually, Tunisian crochet might be a cool thing to teach about too. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. That's it. I want to teach Tunisian crochet because there, there aren't a lot of resources available, especially for beginners. It's something that is, has been around for decades, but not a lot of people know about it. And it's a really great blend of two different crafts. So the, the class that, that I came up with and pitched her, and they let you do that. They really do let you have a lot of freedom with the lessons that you have, uh, which is, is really great as a creative person. Well, beginners have always sort of been my thing. That's, that's really what I resonate with. I love to teach beginners. And so it was really natural for me to teach a beginner Tunisian crochet class. The other thing that's always been very important to me is my style of teaching. And I imply a lot of adult learning theory methods. So I like to teach people through doing things. I don't like to do so many of the stitch tutorials and that sort of thing, like, oh, this is how you do this. No, let's put it to use. I'm going to show you how to do this. But at the other side, we're going to have something useful on the other end. So that's the approach that we took with the class. I said, okay, let's, let's do three projects. That way people have a quick win at the end of each one of these lessons. They have three amazing projects and I was able to coordinate them. So when you finish the class, you have a full set to wear. So you'll have a cowl, a headband and a hat. So that's, that's the class really in a nutshell. It's a beginner Tunisian crochet class that explores different stitches. And then you still have that, familiar teaching style that people have have known to come and and be familiar with and and following me. I love it. I love it. And did you enjoy coming out here? I did. It was my first time in Denver. I didn't know what to expect. And I was by myself, so I didn't do a lot of exploring, which was, um, was kind of sad. I would have liked to kind of venture out, but I, I haven't traveled alone very much. So I just, I didn't know where to go and what to see. And, and so I kind of just stayed in the hotel and around the blocks there. But I remember when I flew in, I was like, where are the mountains? I feel like it should be, I feel like there should be a lot more mountains around here. And everything was flat. Like the airport where we landed was like so flat. And I found out later through my producer, she said, oh, some of the wildfires that are around, there's sort of like a, a low... Um, smoke and fog and stuff that was covering up the mountains. So I, I didn't get to see as much of them as I would have liked while I was there, but it was a, a, a fun city. And the one notable thing, I'm kind of a foodie too. I love food. Man, the uh-huh. food was amazing there. <laughs> yes, it is rather great. And I live out here by the airport. So it's kind of funny. I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh. Um, I love yes. it. It's such it's such a good it's such a good place. Um, I want to bring up your podcast because there's not many of us that do podcasts. Uh, I mean, okay, so 
my podcast has been around for 10 years, been around forever. And it's come, it's gone through many different, you know, ways of doing the podcast and such. And like, I'm, I'm actually considering just doing a video podcast instead of the podcast podcast. Slot. Like it's, it's crossing my mind. I don't know. It's because I feel like you mm-hmm. have to evolve your company, your, your, the way you do things, everything has to evolve over time. And for me, I mean, it always made sense that there should be more video podcasting because it's such a visual sort of craft. Um, but mm-hmm. for you, you know, what made you decide to jump into the podcast arena? Well, I, I spent the last, well, okay. And I'll say this with the podcast launched early this year. So in March, I didn't really quite hit that, that beginning of the year mark because some other things were going on at the time, but most of 2015 and 2016, that was, those were the years that I discovered podcasts. I had no clue what they were. I had seen the little icon on my, on my iPad or my iPod touch back in the day too, but I didn't listen to them. And I didn't know the value that they brought. I was one of the people that I really, I don't like talk shows. I don't like talk radio. And so I, once I realized what a podcast was, I thought, I'm going to hate that. I know I don't like these things. Yeah. But I was working at my, at my job. And again, in the biology field, I actually worked in a lab. And I had a lot of alone time, which was really nice. It gave me the opportunity to listen to music if I wanted to, like in my earbuds. And once I got tired of listening to the same tracks over and over, I thought, well, I, I want to learn something. I want to like listen to somebody talk. I wanted to like feel the sense of like being a fly on the wall and on somebody's really great conversation. And also at the time, the wheels were turning in my head that I could turn it into a business. And actually Mm -hmm. I was at that point in 2015 and 16, I really started to monetize things and to get really strategic about where I was using my time because I was doing it still as a side gig. But for me, it was, I had it in my mind that this is what I'm going to do with my life. I don't feel fulfilled in what, where I am now, but I know that's what I want to do. And in order to get to that point, I know that I need to prove to myself, my husband, and my family that I can still make a steady living doing it. So I turned to podcasts at that point because I thought, well, even though I'm listening to people talk, maybe I can learn something from them. So I started listening to podcasts about social media because I thought, well, if I can get enough exposure, if I can get people to come back to my website, then it's a win for everybody because I'll get a tiny bit of money from that traffic that comes in. And then somebody's going to have a free pattern that they can use on either sell or gift it to somebody. So I started listening to podcasts about social media and I loved it. I was so surprised. I was not expecting to love podcasting as much as I did, but I, I binged on, on shows. I would find a show that I liked and I would go back hundreds of episodes. And I actually did that. I found a podcast that I loved that was, I think 170 episodes in or so at the time. And I'm like, I love this guy. I want to hear everything he has to say. So I went back to episode one and I listened to every single one. And I just, I, I loved the platform. I was learning so much off of it. And then it became a puzzle to me because 
I mean, it was always a puzzle. When you listen to different podcasts or videos or anything relating to online business, it's so difficult to relate that to us here in our field because it is so visual. So when they tell you that your YouTube video should be a maximum of five minutes or you're, you're hurting yourself. Yes. It's like, I can't teach anybody how to do anything in five minutes. So the rules don't apply to us. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It feels so good to hear you say that because that's how I feel. I'm like, there is no way. That was the first thing somebody at YouTube told me. Like they did, they went through this whole sort of, I don't know, something that they put you through. And um, they're like, okay, your videos are way too long. We need to keep them at five minutes. It's about the, the viewing time people do. And I'm like, I can't do anything in five minutes. Like I cannot do it in five minutes. Like, oh, it just feels, right. I'm sorry. It feels good to hear you say that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it was, it was a puzzle for me to try to pick all of these bits of advice that I was hearing in these podcasts and relate them to us because there was always something like that. And so for podcasting, what it was is that, well, one, there's not a lot of people who are podcasting in our industry. There, there's a lot more for knitting probably, but there's not a whole lot for crochet. So that was kind of obstacle one, number one. How do I educate people in this industry, one, of what it is, and two, the value that it presents? And the second obstacle was how do I – create a podcast that's worth listening to me a podcast that was worth listening to was something that I learned something from it was a podcast that I learned something from and so I knew for me if I if I dove into this new content strategy that it had to stay true to me and my brand and help people learn something yeah well the other issue that it presented was that at the time I just did not have the time to commit to any type of show because since I was doing it as a hobby and on the side, I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to record something. I didn't have the equipment at the time. I didn't have a structure for the show, but when I started doing Be Hooked full time in 2017, that was like the number one thing on my list. It was actually in my goal to start the podcast by the start of the second quarter. And so that was actually March. I was actually a little bit ahead of of schedule, but I had a plan, I had a strategy, I had the time and the equipment, and the rest is history. I haven't looked back since. That's awesome. I love it. And so when people pick up, so like on my show, I feel like people, you know, I mean, I'm assuming this is my intent is people can listen to the show and just sit back, grab their knitting or crochet. Even I knit and crochet sometimes as I'm just talking and just listen to a couple of people talk about something that everybody is, you know, uh, in love with or familiar with or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? Just, just kind of like you said, being a fly on the wall Mm -hmm. in a conversation. Um, That's one of the reasons I started the podcast is I wanted to learn so much about all these people that were doing stuff in this industry that this just seemed like a logical way to do it. It was like, I want, I want to learn about this person. So let's just learn about them. But when they listen Mm -hmm. to your show, what can they expect? People when can expect when they, when they listen to my show that one, they're going to get something for that exchange of time. I, I value my time a lot. You value your time a lot. We're all the same way. There's only so much time in the day 
And we always have so many people grasping for our attention. So when somebody chooses to listen to what I have to say, I'm grateful for that. And I want to make sure they get something out of it. So to make that a little bit more specific, I try to also incorporate the different types of people that I feel like are in the audience. So that can be somebody who is a maker or if they sell, they sell their goods on Etsy or in shops. And then there's also people who are a little bit more hobby crocheters, the people that like to just sit down and listen to people talk while they're crocheting. And then there's also bloggers and designers. So there's kind of like three different categories of people. And I really try to hit on a topic that would be important for each of those three categories of people. But I do try to make sure that I weave in some kind of message that's applicable to everybody. So I like to take things a little bit technical sometimes. So we'll talk about strategies. Some of the recent episodes are how to convert a pattern to a different size because, well, one, that's not really, I mean, you could, you could create a video for that. You could create a blog post for that, but it's really natural to talk about that. If somebody asked me how to convert a pattern, I probably wouldn't create a video. I would just tell them how to do it. So I try to keep that in the back of my mind when I'm coming up with episodes. But the other thing that I do too, is I like to find a passion of the guest that's on the show because when somebody feels very passionate about a topic, it's really natural and easy for them to talk about it. And then that makes for a better listening experience for the audience. So it's kind of a win, win, win situation. Everybody sort of gets something out of it and they, they can always expect some kind of, of inspiration that's related to crochet. Every now and then we'll talk a little bit about knitting but they're either going to learn something or they're going to be inspired. Good. That's awesome. I love it. I love that. Um, well, Brittany, it's the time in my show that we uh, give away a prize. I know today you actually have a coupon code. Um, and is it good I for do. everybody or is it would it only be good for that one person? No, it's actually good for whoever has the link. So I heard that you would like to have – a you have a call-in winner as well as a comment winner so i have a code for both all right cool so that's what we will do so go ahead and have a drink of water sunday you've been you've been talking a little bit so your mouth's gotta get dry i I know know. i know it's crazy right yeah um so if this is the first time you've listened to the yarn thing podcast welcome we are glad you are here we are always blessed that we have guests on the show that offer a prize one to a call-in listener And one to somebody who leaves a comment on the show notes for today's show. So for all of you that are listening live, the guest call-in number is 347-539-5589. I'm going to ask somebody in Facebook Live to please uh, type that in the comments. 347-539-5589. Give me a call. You are placed in a switchboard right here on the Blog Talk Radio page, and all I see are a bunch of phone numbers. And we will randomly select one of those phone numbers to be a winner of a coupon code from Brittany for her brand-new Craftsy class. Um, 
If you're not listening live, don't worry. There's always a chance for you to win as well. As I mentioned, uh, after the podcast today, the show notes will go up. Actually, I think the show notes are up for now. Caitlin's been doing a really good job of putting um, the show notes up prior to the show and then going back and filling in any blanks that there might be. But uh, over at MarleyBird.com, you will find the show notes for today's show with Be Hooked uh, Crochet, and you will find a brief synopsis of things we've talked about, maybe some links, some images, and uh, anything you might have missed should be over there in the show notes at the bottom of those show notes you'll see where it says that you can leave a reply or leave a comment and all you need to do is actually leave a reply or leave a comment that includes a keyword that Brittany will give us here in just a minute and that will be your entry ticket so to speak for your chance to win so for example um, several weeks ago we had the lovely Hunter Hammerson back on the podcast we love Hunter she does some of the most amazing books and her keyword was not K-N-O-T-S. And so um, that can't be right. That's not her keyword. That was not her keyword. Socks. Socks was her keyword. Um, And so we randomly selected a winner from those comments on the show notes. And the winner is uh, Marisa, I think is how it says. It says, after listening to Hunter Hammerson, I am tempted to start an adventure of knitting socks. So she used the keyword socks and she is the lucky winner of a copy of Hunter's brand new book. So uh, Marisa, Caitlin will make sure that she emails you after the podcast and get your mailing instructions so we can send those off to Hunter. Now you'll notice that we had Hunter on the show back in September and that's we chose the winner. It's always at least two to three weeks after the original air date because we all know that time goes by sometimes and you just can't go back and listen to the show right away. We want to make sure you have time to go back and listen and leave a comment so don't hesitate if you are listening to this show for the first time after a couple weeks go back over there to marleybird.com get the show notes for today's show and make sure you include your keyword so Brittany, what should their keyword be their keyword should be be hooked be hooked yeah let's spell it out because it it can can confuse people a little bit there's it's actually not the word b so just the letter b H-O-O-K-E-D. Yep. So be hooked is your keyword. Make sure you include that in your comment. And I want to remind you, you must leave a comment on the show notes because that is where we go to randomly select a winner. So although I love it that you leave comments on Facebook, on Ravelry, on Twitter, on Instagram, and everywhere else, if you want to have a chance to win, you actually must leave your comment on the show notes. Okay. So there is that, and I'm going to go over here to the switchboard. And, Brittany, you have 27 callers. So quite a few people want to come on and say hello and possibly win the code. So what I'm going to do is – oh, we just went up to 28. I'm scrolling up and down all of these phone numbers. You tell me when to stop, and wherever my mouse is, that will be the lucky winner. Literally the number right underneath yours, and it's area code 812. So I'm going to click on this. 812, hello. Hello, Marley. How are you guys? It's Suzanne. Hi, Suzanne. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I've so enjoyed this conversation. Oh, that's, I did too. It's fun, right? She's a, she's such a gem, like such a treat to talk to. Yes. And what a great, like, what a great way that your career has evolved. Yeah, thank you. I'm one of the luckiest people on the planet. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, you are. And so are we, since you're teaching a Craftsy class. Yes, very cool. And I don't think you said the name of the Craftsy class. What's the name of your Craftsy class? The class is called 
Tunisian crochet for beginners. Okay. So really simple and classic. Perfect. Yeah. So sweet. Well, Suzanne, you are going to win a coupon code for that class. Um, I think I'm going to have you email me winner at yarnthingpodcast.com. And I will forward your email on to Brittany and she'll get you all squared away. Thank you so much, Marley. And thank you very much, Brittany. I'm very excited because I have Tunisian crochet hooks and I don't know what to do with them. So. Oh, that's perfect. I would love to teach you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yay. Fantastic. Thanks for listening, great. Suzanne. Thank you, Marley. Thank you, Brittany. Have a great day, ladies. You're Bye, welcome. Hun. Thank you. Bye-bye. So fun. I love Suzanne. She is a she is a constant listener. We love Suzanne. I love all of I have do you find this that you have some people that because they've either left comments on YouTube or on your podcast or on Facebook or whatever it is, like you just feel like they're true friends. Like and you've never met them. Yes. And they they have only started contacting you because of what you do, but you truly feel like you've built a relationship with them. Like I totally have that feeling with several of the people that I, I correspond with online. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way. I I think a lot of people think that, I don't know, maybe we're not real people on the other end of this. I, I yeah. never would take the time to comment on people that I looked up to, but so many people have for me. And like, that's how I have developed so many friendships with the people who yeah. follow me on Instagram and through Facebook and various other, it's usually on a social platform, but yeah, I totally feel the same. Yeah. I think it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's amazing to me. I mean, and I don't know. And, and through it, it's, I've also got my own Marley's minions who help me with contracting. And I don't know, it's just, it's mm-hmm. just a fascinating world we're in. And I think you and I both are just some of the luckiest people in the world to be able to do what we love. And I mean, mm-hmm you're just you're kicking butt doing it girlfriend I love it I love I also love we didn't talk much about this yet we talked about it before though and I've been saying it recently quite a bit but um so many of us are really working hand in hand to help each other rise up and lift up together so it's not that we're being selfish with our success but we're helping one another with it um first by you allowing me to be on your podcast, you coming on my podcast and both of us talking about each other in social mm-hmm. media, like it helps both of us out. So I think that is, that is such a good thing for us in our industry and the people that follow us because they get to see, we're not just like this constant competition with one another. We really are our friends and, and really help each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that that just, it helps us all the way around. And I just, I love, I love having you as my friend and my colleague. Like, it's really a true delight. Yeah, it's, it really has been such a pleasure. I know the podcast has been very therapeutic for me because I was always intimidated and afraid to reach out to people, or I felt a little sense of competition with them because I thought, well, they have this many followers or page views or whatever it is. But, you know, it's really tough to feel competitive towards somebody who's your friend. Yeah. And that's something we've talked about in previous episodes on the Be Hooked podcast. And right. it's something that continues to come up over and over. Actually, yeah. Tamara Kelly from Moogly, she said that yeah. a rising tide lifts all boats. And yep. that was, that's, that's it. That, that yeah, is that's the exactly best way it. to describe that's it. Exactly. That's how I, she and I just talked about that the other day. And that's what I've been saying recently. Cause she and I, I mean, she's one of my really good friends and it's, it's that very thing. I mean, she wants to talk about, she's extremely successful and doing really great. And I don't know. It's just, it's just, 
it's just awesome. I just, I love it. And I hope that you and I are able to work more hand in hand and teamwork wise. I know you're doing some work with Red Heart, which is fantastic. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I'm having a great time and I, I've loved learning about you today. I wish you nothing but great success. And uh, I hope that we get to talk again soon in the future. Me too. I would love to have you back. So let me know. And for anybody who is in the audience wants to hear that episode with Marley, she was actually like my second guest on the show. She's episode 12. So you can go find the Be Hoped podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you like to listen. Go back to episode 12 and you can hear Marley and I chat for the first time. It was very fun. It was fun. It was fun. And then as far as Instagram, Facebook and all that, where else can they find you? So let's give them, let's give them all of your social media stuff. Yeah, so Instagram is where I really love to hang out. That's kind of like my home base. I do a lot of, I'm in Instagram all the time. So at Hooked is my handle for Instagram. And I am also active on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr a little bit. And you can find me there at Hooked Crochet. And Perfect. the website, of course, is just BeHookedCrochet.com. You can find the link to the Be Hooked podcast as well as Be Hooked Knitting. So that's Be Hooked Crochet is sort of the hub for all that I have to offer. That's perfect. Perfect. I've had so much fun, Brittany. Thank you so much for spending some time with me this morning. And uh, I will will see you as soon as I get a chance to. Yeah, it would be great. Thank you so much, Marley. This has been so much fun and a real pleasure. Awesome. Same here, girlfriend. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Such a delight. Isn't she fantastic, you guys? Brittany from Be Hooked Crochet and Be Hooked Knitting. Um, Seriously, one of the kindest, generous, um, business-minded women in the industry that I've met. And um, I just, I'm really, I'm really excited for her and her success. And it's it's fantastic. I love it. Um, Such a treat to have her on the show. Hopefully you'll go check out her brand new Crafty class, Tunisian Crochet for Beginners. uh, And say hi to Crafty and tell them thank you for supporting the Yarn Thing podcast. Um, They're pretty darn, they're pretty darn great over there at Crafty. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today's show. I do have a show on Thursday this week. Oh my gosh. Chris Lopez, make sure you set your calendar because I know that you're one of the ones that's like, Marley, I miss Thursday show. Um, I have a show Thursday this week uh, just because I am traveling next Tuesday to San Francisco to do a special with Creative Bug um, to talk all about the brand new Chic Sheep yarn. Um, if you don't know about Chic Sheep by Marley Bird, make sure you sign up for the Marley Bird newsletter. Um, I, I can't tell you enough that there's going to be a, a big coupon code in there in tomorrow's newsletter that comes out. I know I probably shouldn't have said that. I know Caitlin's probably like, don't say that. Um, but if you are not signed up, you need to sign up because that's the only way you're going to get that code. So uh, check out the newsletter. I think you can sign up over at marleybird.com. But uh, speaking of next Tuesday, I'll be in San Francisco uh, connecting with Creative Bug, who I love, who are large sponsors of the podcast. And I'm doing a, going to do their Facebook Live with them to talk about uh, Chic Sheet by Marley Bird, and there might be a chance that you can win some yarn there as well. So you'll want to check that out. But all of that is to say, because next Tuesday I'll be in San Francisco, I'm doing two shows this week. So make sure you tune in on Thursday for an extra special podcast. All right, let's hit our happy vibes music because it makes me happy and I love it. I truly enjoyed talking to you today, Brittany. You are fantastic and amazing and I wish you nothing but great success. I hope all of you will go check out Be Hooked Crochet, just the letter B, Hooked Crochet. 
Um, I'm going to say thank you to my lovely listeners. You guys make this all worthwhile. And um, I just, I love you. I really do. I think you're amazing. Last but not least, let's say thank you to our sponsors. Buffalo Wool Company, Creative Bug, Marin Light Bags, Crafty.com, Stitches.Events, and last but certainly not least, Red Heart Yarns around the proud national All right, guys, I will talk to you on Tuesday. Until then, have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.